was born for this. Anybody know who sings that song? It's me. Just recorded it this week. So uh, how's everybody doing this morning? It's a good day to be alive, isn't it? By the time you leave church, it should be somewhere around 55 degrees. And uh, you can get your Speedo out, get on the back deck, lay out. It's going to be great. I was in Florida this week, so I got a little, little tan. This isn't from a tanning bed. Somebody asked me this morning, have you been tanning? And I'm like, no, I have not been tanning. So um, not that I wouldn't tan, um, but this is authentic. And uh, I was at a conference on church planting and disciple making this week and just trying to stay um, above the fray to see where we're going in the future and how to empower everyday missionaries in our church. And, and I love just being taught and learning. And uh, so I prepared this message while I was down in between sessions and at poolsides and then on a plane. Uh, so if it's a little non-coherent, it's because it was really discombobulated this week. But uh, it was interesting studying about the temptation of Christ while I was in Florida, of all places. <laughs> I get tempted. You guys get tempted? Every day, almost. There are some days I'll go through and they're just so busy. Uh, probably the temptation is preoccupation and busyness and just forgetting God exists, my wife exists, I exist, and I am just working for the man and I am a machine. But I'm tempted. When I'm tired, I'm tempted. When I'm fed, I'm tempted. When I'm successful, I'm tempted. When I'm a failure, I'm tempted. It's just a part of life and I'm really glad to serve a God who came to earth in the form of Jesus. And one of the first things he did in his public earthly ministry was go through the gauntlet of temptation. He wanted to know what that felt like. He, he was the one who wanted to be opposed and go through oppression so that he could know what that felt like, so he could be a faithful and merciful high priest on our behalf so that when you talk to God about the hard day you're going through, He's the interpreter, your advocate, and he's telling the father, I know what he's talking about. I know what she's talking about today. I remember that one all too well. Are you glad we got a Jesus who sympathizes with our weaknesses? It says in the scriptures in Hebrew, he's our brother. He's become our brother. It's not just our savior. He's like our big brother. And he's like, got your back. And he's been through it with you. Uh, when I think about the wild places, we're talking about the wilderness experience of Christ in this 40-day Lenten series, and uh, that's where Lenten comes from, this 40-day wilderness experience with Jesus joining him in the wilderness. It's not up and to the right Christianity, it's joining him in the low moments of his life, the quiet moments of his life, the, the secret moments of his life, the silent moments of his life, and watching him and joining him and staying there in those moments. It's a hard place to be with people. Like it is, it's when somebody's having a hard time or a hard day, it's easy to listen to them for a moment and be like, I'll be praying for you and move away. But when somebody that lasts for a week or that lasts for a month or for years, it's hard to stay with somebody in their hardship. You know what I'm saying? Talk back to me a little bit this morning because I'm gonna need your energy this morning. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
I mean, and this is humanity. This is the human experience, the existential reality of life as you are buffeted by things that are taking you out and trying to take you down. The wild places, just in case you came and you thought, man, I'm a wild man, I wanna go to that one. This is gonna be all about adventure. No, this is not wildness and adventure. This is adversity. And this isn't suspense like your favorite movie kind of wild. This is about sacrifice. And I think it's pretty interesting off of last week where John baptized Jesus and he has one of those seminal moments in his life like those experiences that are euphoric where he's baptized and he hears his father speak out of heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, I'm proud of this, this is my boy, that's my boy. That's that moment. And he goes right from that moment to going out into the wilderness, baptism by water, then a baptism by fire in the wilderness, hearing the voice of his father and then hearing the voice of the accuser, the tempter, Satan. And it goes from a dove to a devil. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Like you can't hold on to that moment that was really awesome without that moment pivoting really quickly to a moment you're like, man, what happened to yesterday? What happened to the feeling I had last week? This week seems like I'm a different person living a different reality. And Jesus pivoted to this moment. And I've always said, and maybe you've heard this statement before, but it it bears repeating. When you go to a new level, you face a new devil. When you make a step in the direction of wholeness or moving away from that addiction or having more holistic health in your life or out of toxic relationships into healthy relationships, I can tell you Satan isn't gonna rest on his laurels and let that happen without a fight. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody like, oh, I made a good decision and led to great emotions that led to a great reality. That's not how it works. I made a good decision and I got the hack beat out of me last week and I feel like I want to let go and go back to Egypt. Because this is the wilderness out here and I, I want to get to the promised land, but I, I got to go through the wilderness to go to the promised land. And if that's the case, I'm going back to Egypt where I can at least have like at my disposal a predictable experience of bondage rather than an unpredictable spirit with the potential of freedom. New level, new devil. And I, I was thinking this week, anytime you take a step and God takes you into a step, there's also stops. Life is about steps and stops. And a lot is revealed about a person's character in the stops I've, I've learned in my life. That's where I bubble up. And the steps, I'm loving the steps, but when it comes to stops and you're stopped dead in your tracks like Jesus in this story, it's tough to go through trial and it's tough to be tested to see what the real character is under the hood. How we respond to those are telling. We're talking about temptation today and really when it comes to temptation, The enemy's not all that original. He's been using the same tactics ever since the beginning. 
He's got a strategy, it keeps working, so he keeps doing it. It's actually put into words by John the Apostle in 1 John 2, verse 16. He said, everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these are not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Same song, different verse. Same as the first, right? Different verse, same as the first. And those are the things. Lust of the flesh is what I feel. Lust of the eyes is what I want. Pride of life is what I deserve. And you can see these temptations even back in the Garden of Eden when Satan came after Eve and after Adam. And after he had tempted them and said, God, God didn't say that. He just doesn't want you to be like him. He's holding out on you. He doesn't want your eyes to be open so that you're wise like him, discerning evil from good. You know, he didn't really mean don't do it. And so he comes in and after he tempts Eve, it says, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food, mm, lust of the flesh, and pleasing to the eye, lust of the eyes, that's beautiful, and desirable for gaining wisdom or able to make one wise, pride of life. She took some and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was right there with her and he ate it. Just so we're not busting the chops of Eve like it's her fault we got into this mess. He was right there. He could have grabbed his spade shovel and just cut the head off of this talking snake like that, but he didn't. I think the, the main struggle for men is passivity and silence in the midst of controversy. They just can check out. They don't intervene. And here we have the same trifecta of temptation. It's no surprise that this is the same strategy used on Jesus. He backed him up against the ropes. He started pounding on him with this one, two, three punch of temptation and testing. So before I wanna climb into the text in Luke, uh, I wanna show you Mark's abbreviated account in his synoptic gospel of Jesus' temptation. Then we'll move on to Luke's more uh, detailed account. In Mark chapter 1, 12 and 13, Mark said this, at once the spirit sent him out, or another translation, drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tested or tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals, We'll talk about that later, and angels attended him. This idea, the significance of 40, I heard this last week. Some people, when it comes to Lent, are like, I just never knew. I knew there was an Ash Wednesday. People started, it was a part of church tradition. I didn't know it came out of the 40 days in the wilderness. Um, and I, I just wanted you to know, this, this denial of self taking up our cross and following Christ to the wild places is a part of this Lenten experience. It's joining Jesus and hanging tight with Jesus when life gets hard for him and joining him there and killing the flesh, slaying the flesh and all these carnal urges and impulses that we have and trying to get in the wilderness and, and, and deny ourselves for a change and take up the burden of carrying the cross, being crucified with him. And so we can really follow him. The number 40 shows up in the Bible and uh, it's not about numerology, although it has significance throughout the Bible in, in stories and, and theologians believe it, it means a, a trial or a probation or a purging or a cleansing or a testing 
period or a struggle or a, 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 you know, some sort of a, a suffering that comes on people. You see it throughout the Bible. In, in Noah's Ark, they were out there for 40 days and 40 nights, and that was a purifying, purging experience to protect the world from folding in on itself, the preservation of humanity because they were eating themselves alive and the extinction of man was going to happen. And so you see the 40 days on the ark. You come into Israel forming and coalescing as a nation. And Moses is the prince of Egypt. He's been called to, to be the one that rises up. And yet he sees one of his brothers being brutalized by a slave owner in Egypt. And he goes and murders that, that slave owner, that taskmaster. And someone sees him and he's banished and has to run for his life to the backside of the desert for how long? 40 years, he's in the wilderness tending sheep, being prepared by God. He had serious anger issues, not just then, throughout his life. It actually prevented him from going into the promised land, anger. So it doesn't always get dried out in the wilderness. And he's in the wilderness for 40 years, finally God shows up in the burning bush and said, it's time for you to go and say, let my people go. And he does, and he busts them out of Egypt, this slave nation that had been there for 400 years, and they get out, and then they don't understand how to follow God and trust God. So they get to the edge of the Red Sea, and they're like, we should go back. Did you bring us out here to die? And God opens the sea. They get to the other side. In Exodus 15, 3, they sing a song that Moses and Miriam wrote, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. I love that verse. And then it wasn't like weeks later, it's like, well, what about water and food and you know, all the good stuff? And he's like, ah, oh, they're complaining and murmuring and grumbling and he hits the rock and water comes out. We love the Lord. We hate the Lord. And he, he just gave us water. We want bread. And he's like, so he rains down bread from heaven, this manna that came down, which the word manna in the Hebrew means, what is it? He'd never seen that before. So what is it starts pouring down on the ground in this like sweet little flaky substance. And it wasn't Michigan snow. It was like going out and getting like donuts every morning. Joe, would you love to be there? Yeah. And they go out and they love the donuts, this manna. And then it's like, oh, we want meat. He's like, oh my gosh, these people will never believe. Like, we want to go back. We had leeks in Egypt. At least we had three square meals a day. Yes, we were getting whipped within an inch of our life, but I'd rather go back to bondage than be out here in the unknown trusting God and being tested. And so he sends them quail and they're flying so low in the morning, you bring out your broomstick and knock them out of the sky. <laughs> poof, poof. Got dinner tonight, babe. They came right to me. And then they just start complaining. And they just complain. You realize they wandered in the desert. How many years? 40 years. It should have taken them 11 days. 11 days. And they figured out a way to turn it into 40 years. Imagine if your husband did that, driving on vacation. <laughs> Took a wrong turn, honey. And this whole generation, because of a lack of trust in God, they didn't even get into the promised land. In fact, there, there came an opportunity. They sent spies into the promised land who were in the promised land for how many days? 40 days. And two came back, Joshua and Caleb, my name, the names of my sons, and said, we can go in there and we can take those giants. 
And the other 10 are like, we can't do it. We're not prepared. They're too big. It's too vast. And he's like, man, you won't trust me. They get, they're at Mount Sinai. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, guess for how long? 40 days. And while he's up there for 40 days, the people are like, that's cool. Look at the lightning and the glory of God. That's awesome. And like, it didn't take very long. And they're like, he's been up there too long. He's probably never coming down. We need to worship something. Let's like actually melt all of our gold and make a golden calf so we can worship a golden calf while he's up there. I don't think he's coming down. They couldn't even make it 40 days. And they were watching the glory of God on the top of the mountain. In the Bible, it's like 40 days where Goliath is taunting the Israelites and nobody will go out and face him until David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that makes fun of the Lord my God? Is anybody gonna go out? No? Well, then I'm gonna go plunk him in the head and take his head off. <laughs> Elijah, guess how many days from the time he was threatened by Jezebel to the time he went to Mount Horeb and God spoke to him in a still small voice and said, you're not alone. There's 700 other prophets who haven't bowed. He went into depression. God was right there with him, walked through the wilderness with him 40 days until Mount Horeb where he went out, found Elisha, got an apprentice and handed off the reins to his being the next prophet. It's, it's astonishing. This 40 day thing is a big deal. And it's as if, Jesus comes in and he knows all these stories of the failure and the flops of people time and time again. They couldn't make it 40 years. They couldn't make it 40 days. And he comes in and he says, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna start a rematch. And I'm gonna do and fulfill what humans couldn't do. I'm gonna become the new Israel. I'm gonna become the new second Adam, as it says in the New Testament. And I'm gonna come out and I'm going to beat the foe. So we see Jesus heading to the desert, 40 days to be tested and tried and tempted. Luke chapter four, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. Would you be hungry after 40 days and not eating? Yeah, that's when you're really vulnerable. And Satan knows when to come and to test you. It, it occurs to me in this verse, he was full of the Holy Spirit and then led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You, you don't go into a wilderness experience because you did something wrong. That God, because of his love for us, takes us in to be tested and pruned in order for us to mature and to see who he really is and to lean on him and to see who we really are and to break our hearts for the world around us. I don't know about you, but it's been my times where I've gotten tested and where I've gotten tried uh, like a refiner's fire. Anybody been, you know, taking sap? What do you got to do to sap to, to create syrup? You got to boil it. It's got to go to the fire, baby. Ryan ruined a whole batch of sap. I just had to tell this story just so that you can ask him about it. It killed him. Big batch of sap and he left it in there and he went to bed and he didn't wake up and it just completely fried his pan and it should have started a fire on his porch. 
was a little bit too much testing. But the idea is like fire refines. It, it, it causes the dross to separate from the gold so that you get pure gold. Right? That refiner's fire. And God leads you there because you're full of the Spirit. I think some, some of us here, we're not full of the Spirit, and he doesn't lead us to a place to tempt us beyond what we're able. But once you're able, he takes you to places so that you can become even more mature and a sharper sword in the hand of God. And he takes them out to be tempted. I was thinking about this and was thinking about the people that I trust a lot in my life. And it came to my mind this way, you don't know if someone can be trusted until they've been tested. I know this when I'm hiring people here, we're hiring people here. I'm not asking the question, what have you done? I'm asking the question, what have you overcome? I wanna know what has run you over and how you got back up. I wanna know when you felt like you failed and you weren't gonna return and how you got back up off the mat and faced the foe and kept going. That's what shows me the strength of someone's character. What have you faced? If you haven't faced anything and you've been successful, I don't trust you. I need to know what you've faced and how you've gotten knocked down. It says in the Old Testament, the righteous get knocked down, knocked down seven times, but get up again an eighth. I, I've been enjoying wrestling lately and uh, went to a match last week in the quarterfinals and, um, and then it was the, the, well, the finals last week and the week before the corner finals for individuals, but just, just watching Lowell take home its seventh championship in seven years is just an amazing thing. Can we give it up for our community? We don't know how to do a lot of things out here, but we know how to wrestle. And uh, RJ's doing a great job leading the program. I just love watching him as a leader, but I love watching some of our, our boys in this place that go to our church. And um, I was with the Lynx and I was watching their sons uh, wrestle, um, both of them. And uh, I, I just, James and Will, I just was all tense and tight watching them. But... Uh, I also saw pictures this week of some of the Lowell young wrestlers because they start them young around here. I mean, after they stop sucking their thumb, they're out on the mats. And um, I have a picture that I saw this week, and this is the reality. Parents literally send their kids out into combat sports knowing that they're going to lose, but it's going to forge something strong in them. And I love over here, this is Jackson uh, McFarlane, we're friends with the F McFarlanes, Jason and Cass, Cassie, and, and he, he, this was a, f a fourth overtime. And he lost and he came back, and this is Jason McFarlane, he's a teacher at the school, and this is his son. Just look at those hands. Look, it's a father who loves him that sends him out to get beat up and then speaks into his head and into his heart saying, that's okay. I'd rather you lose fighting than not fight at all. And then I was watching last week, particularly William in th these pictures, William Lincoln. I love this when he's getting his eye gouged out. I mean, it's just, 
It's smash mouth, man. And he's right here, and this is the guy that I think was the state champ in the individuals last year. And he grabbed him, knocked him out, put him on the ground. And then I just love this pose over here with William. After this guy's over here getting medical attention, he's like, who's next? (laughs) Who's next? I love that. I love that. Something about combat sports teaches that principle that Paul talks about in 1 Timothy chapter 6. I have fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. The way I was thinking about that this week is I fought and I've kept fighting and I finished the fight. There's a lot of people you start fighting and you flake out in the fight But man, people that keep fighting with that perseverance and that endurance and they fight to the end till it's over, they don't quit, they don't stop and they fight to the finish. And then after that verse, he said, now there's laid up for me a a crown and glory that just will never fade and not just to me, but also all those who long for his appearing. That they just keep their eye on Christ, fixed on him, the author and finisher. He didn't just start it, he finished it. So the devil comes in, verse three, says, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone. Like there's more going on, the lust of the flesh. He knows he's hungry. So he comes in, take this rock, turn it into bread, man. You can do it. You're the son of God. And he hits you when you're hungry to break your your covenant, your creed, your commitment that you're making at that time tells you it's no big deal. He's like, no, something's going on here underneath the surface that's maturing me. I want to be complete, lacking nothing, as my half-brother's going to say someday. Man, and, and we are hungry creatures, these, these urges inside of us of the flesh. We're hungry for companionship and recognition and and sex or friendship or love or satisfaction or approval or pleasure or attention or meaning. We're hungry for connection. We're hungry for something to numb the pain. That really hits you when you're hungry or you're feeling all those desires or unmet desires sort of perk up, man. You wanna go back to the bottle. You wanna go back to that pill. You wanna go back to the porn. You're feeling it. You're hungry. I'm all hungry. And he's like, well, just click on this link, man. You got your phone. We got some pocket porn right here. It'll just satiate those those urges that you have. Like, just do it, man. It's just tonight. It'll take a little pressure off. It'll take the edge off. No, it won't. It'll defeat you. You won't fight. You won't persevere. There's nothing like persevering in temptation and waking up the next morning and say, I didn't do what I wanted to do for the glory of God. That is a great feeling. You can hold your head up high with some dignity the next day rather than like every single time I get taken out and I'm on the mat and I get my arm behind my back and I say uncle and I'm sick of it. Satan has lived through me to defeat me and I live as a defeated foe and I live with a fatalistic defeatist attitude. Man, when you overcome temptation, it's the greatest feeling of dignity and glory that fills your soul. When you say no, the enemy came to hit him at the end of the fast to capitalize on that hunger with that just tantalizing offer of relief. Don't take it. It's temporary. 
And he's, he's like, that didn't work. So in verse five, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all the authority and splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. And if you worship me, it'll be yours. Jesus bowing to Satan to worship him. Jesus answered, it's written. He always comes with the word of God. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only, says in Deuteronomy. It's lust of the eyes, man. Wanting something you see someone else has. It's the 10th commandment. 10th commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, covet your neighbor's wife, his, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his ass, especially his ass, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. That was a joke, by the way. Uh, our eyes see and want someone else, something else, or somewhere else all the time, especially in this day and age. Our eyes roam, darting around, looking for satisfaction without sacrifice. And that's what Jesus was offered here. You can have all the kingdoms of the world without going to the cross. Come on. All you have to do is worship me and it'll be all over just a little bit, just today. Just try it. Just, just, just. Have you ever been there? And, and God's the one that gave Satan the power to be prince of the power of the air, of principalities. He gave him the ability to have power over kingdoms. And he's like, I'll give them all to you. You don't have to go to the cross. You can just get the kingdoms without the cross. Just take it, man. You're not going to find a deal like that. All you have to do is just worship me just once. Just once. Because we're into that. We, we, we want to win without working. And we want to succeed without suffering. And we want gain without pain. I mean, I was driving down the road the other, last week from my doctor coming back. And I saw on a car, you know how they got decals on a car where people are just trying to sell stuff even on their car? I don't know if it's Avon or what it is, but this one had to do with some weight loss techniques. It's like, lose weight, no exercise, eat what you want. And I'm like, that's bunk. I don't know what that pill is, but that cannot be good for you. Your digestive system. You gotta exercise and you gotta not eat whatever you want if you want sustainable weight loss that's healthy. But that's what we want. We want that outside image of fitness without putting any of our muscles to the test. You know, we want physique without like fatigue. It doesn't exist. Just so you know, these tests and temptations don't always come one at a time. I wish they did. But sometimes the trifecta works together. And they team up. The lust of the flesh can be triggered by the lust of the eyes and then gets permission from the pride of life. It goes like this for me. Whoa, would you look at that? That would feel so good to have right now. I deserve that. That's owed to me. After all I've been through this last week. And they team up. I remember, I think I was 26 years old, been in ministry a few years married to Heidi, had two small children, Cammie and Allie. And um, I was asked to speak at, at a college, Wright State University, which was about an hour and a half from where I was a youth pastor. And so I left and went down at night. It was like eight o'clock um, where they were having their, their gathering. I think it was Campus Crusade. 
and I spoke to this group of a couple hundred college students in Campus Crusade, and we were in a classroom that kind of fanned out like this, like an amphitheater in this classroom. And I remember pouring my heart out, but being really tired in that season. Anybody had two kids that are like three and newborn or two and a newborn? That's kind of where we were at. My wife was kind of dead tired, and I was dead tired, and it was kind of like our lives are officially over, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, that feeling? Like, we have given birth to that which will kill us, right? <laughs> and you're just, you're, you're tired, but you just keep soldiering on, right? And I'm down there, and I'm just tired, and I get there, and I'm fired up, and I speak my message, and I get done and people are staying after to ask me questions or meet me or have me sign their Bible or whatever. It's just weird, <laughs> weird stuff. No, they weren't, they weren't asking that. Um, but they were just, you know, wanted to talk. I, I prayed with some of them and some of them just wanted to say thank you. So the line was starting to go down. It was about 40, 45 minutes as I could remember. Just, I was getting fatigued. It was probably 10, 10.30 at night by that time. They had worship before. and. We're in this classroom on this massive campus at Wright State, and there was about four people left, and I noticed the person behind this guy that I was talking to, this girl um, who had blonde hair, she went from number two back to the last one. And my eye picked that up. I'm like, what was that about? Well, I'm trying to concentrate on what this guy's saying. And then they left, and there was a guy in front of her, there's two left, and after they would talk to me, they'd leave, and the room was getting quieter and quieter. And I talked to that guy and he went and got his bag over here and she came up and I remember the first thing she said, can I give you a hug? And by this time I, I had like code orange sort of level, like something's a little weird here. Now I, I can hug other women and side hug and even front hug, I don't care as long as other people are around and guys are around. So I don't want everyone, like last night I went to hug someone, she's like, is this okay? And I'm like, yes, yes, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. But in a classroom where it's eerily quiet on a campus an hour and 15 minutes away from home and no one else is around, there's no accountability, I'm not into hugging women. I'm not really into being alone with them in a classroom uh, all by myself. And so I was like, I didn't eat a lot, but I had the meat sweats at that time and I'm pitting out and I know something's going on. And all of a sudden she's like, I just, I just love your passion. I just, I just love, I was so drawn, I'm so attractive to that in a guy. And I was like, yeah. I'm like, that's not, it didn't feel like a compliment. And then she's like, I'm in a relationship with a guy and I think I'm getting ready to break up with him because he's just not like you. I don't want to be with a guy that's like you. And I'm just starting to sweat and she's starting to sound like Charlie Brown's teacher, like wah, 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 wah. because I'm like, I gotta get out of here. I'm going down, this is my demise. Am I gonna make it? She's absolutely stunning and beautiful. Um, I'm sort of drawn, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm alone, I'm a sitting duck and here I am and part of me is drawn and all, the whole time she's talking to me, she's touching my arm when she's making like, like points and I'm just like, nah. And she's like, I don't know, it's kind of weird in here. Do you, do you wanna go out and have a drink? And I'm like, hell no, uh, no. From hell, no, <laughs> no. Um, and she, I could tell, I, I was, oh, what about just go out to eat? You know, no, no. I gotta get home, I don't know if you remember, I have two kids and I have a wife, like I said at the beginning of the time here. And I left, and my heart was pounding, and I felt like it was a test. 
as a young dad who has all these raging hormones and has this raging, like everything was being stroked, pride of life, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh was all in that moment. And it was like I was brought to the pinnacle of the mountain. And it was like, hey, nobody cares. Nobody's here. Nobody will know, man. You're hungry. Let's do this. And everything inside of me has got, God, God, help me to pass this test. Help me to pass this test. And I got out in the car and I grabbed the steering wheel and I just gripped it and I just started shaking. I was like, I did it! I did it! You can't have me! Oh, it felt so good. And then there was another part like, I think I missed my one opportunity. Weird. Because your flesh is like, uh-huh. And there was one other opportunity since I've been here. It was down at Spectrum Health. It was a nurse, but I, I won't get into that. Um, do we have any nurses from Spectrum Health here? <laughs> I have two that are starting to be nurses in college. But anyway, that, that was just that moment. They all came together like the Avengers and came after me. Third one, devil's like, okay, those didn't work. He led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple where if you, you were there, you'd realize that's, that's where Abraham was gonna kill his son, that mount. And you look down and said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it's written. He will command. He's starting to quote scripture to Jesus. He'll command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully and they'll lift you up in their hands so that you don't strike your foot against a stone. Perfectly quoted passage by Satan. Well done. He went to Awana. And Jesus answered, I said, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Essentially saying, just show off. Exercise dominion over those angels. You tell them to come at your beck and call. You show off right now. And he's like, I, I don't need to show off. I don't need to exercise dominion over the angelic realm and tell them to show up. You don't put your, your God to the test. And Satan, Satan starts quoting scripture. And I'm telling you, one of the things, scripture out of context is the number one cause of cults. It is not anti-biblical revelation, it is extra-biblical revelation. People using the scripture out of context to create cults, not churches. He's in Satan side hustles in this. He's an angel of light, it says in 2 Corinthians 11. Masquerades as an angel of light. And here in this text, Jesus is trying to fight off his flesh with fasting, starving its cravings and exercising dominion over his desires, bringing them into submission to God. But he was also fighting Satan. And while fasting can fight the flesh, only the scripture and, and prayer fights off Satan. See, the word is our sword. And you gotta know the word to have a weapon to fight with over your soul and the souls of those you love. That's why just that biblical literacy in the church is killing us because you can't fight off Satan if you don't know the word. You can't even worship the songs we're singing if you don't know the one you're worshiping. Right. It's knowing the word. It's fighting back with the word. Notice Jesus always comes back, not with his like, you know, shooting from the hip. He knows the scriptures. Amen. It's like, well, I, I love what Jason, you know, speaks and then he's fighting for us and he's praying for us. He's our shepherd. We don't need to know the word because he does and I go and listen to it. I'm telling you, what I share with you for 40 minutes every weekend isn't going to be comparable to how much you're gonna be tempted. You need more word 
for the temptations you're gonna face than little chicken nugget for the soul up here, a Scooby snack for the soul if you know Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> this verse goes on and says something that reveals part of Satan's game plan. If I was doing opposition re- research, this would be good intel. Like if you were stealing signs like the Houston Astros, right? These are the signs that I'd be stealing to give me an advantage. Right here at the end, Luke 4, 4, 13, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time or a more opportune time. So he's looking for opportune times when we're vulnerable and susceptible and feeling lonely and, and low and unloved and unseen and undervalued and underappreciated, dissatisfied or defeated. Those are opportune times. And he'll leave you and come back when he senses you're in that time. If you look at the text, there's these opportune conditions for temptation. I put it into an acronym based on the beginning of the text. He ate nothing for 40 days. He was hungry. Unmet needs and desires. He was anxious. He was with the wild animals. It was scary. He was fearful. There was unknowns out there. He was lonely. He, was, he left the Jordan, was sent out by himself all alone to fight. And he was tired. He was led into the wilderness and the desert places are draining. They're draining. A lot of insomnia when you're not sleeping in your own bed and you're out there on your own. These things, hunger, anxiety, loneliness, feeling fatigued, these are the things and you just gotta halt right in the middle of your temptation and know, ah, these are opportune conditions for temptation. I need to get a brother on the phone. I need to get a sister on the phone. I am susceptible right now. Jesus was tempted just like us, yet without sin, it says in Hebrews. The difference with him is, wasn't the bait, because it's not the bait, it's the bite. And he had the same bait that we have, he just was the one that didn't bite. And he came to show us how to do that. Lust of the flesh, you're so hungry today. Just follow your feelings, feed your flesh. Lust of the eyes, look at all that. Seize the day, you can have it all without the cross. Pride of life, come on, just show off. Tell your angels what to do. Dictate and control. But that passage in Mark strikes me and I wanna end here. It says the angels, after it was all said and done, they attended him in verse 13. I love that. Even Even Jesus, after he just fought the fight, just needed somebody to come minister to him. And some here today just need to acknowledge how long you've been in the fight of your life. For some of you, it's been decades, and you've been fighting, and you've been persevering, and you've been enduring. Hardness is a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I just want to let you know I celebrate that. Some of you have been the hero in the story for so long and you're there for everybody else. Some of you right now are sitting in a row and you know you're holding your home together spiritually because your husband isn't helping you or your wife isn't helping you. And I want you to know God sees the trying, testing, struggle and suffering of that and he's with you. He's attending you with angels. Some of you, it's been test upon test, temptation upon temptation, trauma upon trauma you've overcome. And some of you have been terrorized for just weeks and years, traumatized in unimaginable ways. And Satan has grounded and pounded you and you need somebody to come to your aid to attend your wounds and weariness. 
You've taken care of everyone else. You need somebody to come for you and to care for you, to attend to the traumatized and terrorized parts of your little boy and little girl heart. And I love that God is about that. Just letting the angels come for you. So whether you're full of the spirit right now being led into the wilderness, whether you're in the wilderness or whether you're coming out of the wilderness. And we're all about celebrating deliverance around here, but we got to celebrate perseverance for the ones that are still in it and the ones that are going to be led into it. It isn't all about coming out of it. Yeah! It's like, you're going into it. You can do this. The Spirit leads us to those places and keeps us in those places and holds us fast in those places. When we get out, we aren't running a victory march. If you've been really tested, it isn't like, oh, I beat him, it's, yeah, this is awesome. He didn't do any of that, he just was wasted. And the angels came and just ministered to him. I just, I wanted you to know the angels are coming. Just felt like God put that in my head this week after I read this text like the angels are around you they're coming they'll help they'll help you through and I I look at this picture of Jason with his son and I just I don't know why just there's something about that that just gets my heart because there have been times where I just feel like I'm getting beat up and it's just so good to have a father that will lead me into combat, be with me in combat, and when the combat's over, he'll just grab me and speak into my heart. Even if you got beat, son, it's not over. It's not over. Get up. I'm forgiving. I'm faithful even when you're not. It says in the scriptures, even when you're faithful, I'm fa- or faithless, I'm faithful because I can't deny myself. And I love this other picture of Will fighting and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose and sometimes it just feels good to be like, that gutted me out but that feels really good. You know what I love about this? I didn't show this picture but the next one, this one is the one that gets me and this is his mom and dad. This is Jerry and Annie Link. Anybody know Jerry and Annie from Swiss Lane? I love this picture. This is just such a picture of God where they send their son out on that mat it's not like, oh, I want you to live a safe life and a secure life. And I, want, I don't want you to be hurt, son. No, I want you to go out and get hurt. And I want you to do some putting some hurt on somebody else. And I want you to be victorious. And we'll be in the stands. We can't come out on the mat with you and fight for you. But we can feel all choked up and tense and gnarled up inside. And when you win and when you lose, we're with you. I love you. Keep fighting. Get out on the mat. Don't play it safe. This is risk. This is the wild places. And when you're done, it's just like, that's my boy. That's my girl. I love them. And God doesn't just say when you're baptized, this is my son or my daughter whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. This is, I can imagine after you're done, it's like, that's my son in whom I'm well pleased. I don't care if you're defeated or whether you win, man, I'm proud of you. You fought like a warrior. The angels are coming. The angels are coming. And they're going to minister to you wherever you're at today. So God, we just thank you that you went first. You never ask us to do something you haven't done and gone before yourself. 
You wanted to feel it all. The high highs and the low lows. And we follow a God, a Jesus who goes before us, our big brother who goes before us and watches us. Thank you, God, for not intervening prematurely and thus keeping us stalled in our faith and stunted in our faith, but letting us fight, develop new muscles in our faith of maturity, God. And thank you for cheering for us on the sidelines. And when we're done, just ministering to us with your angels and saying, I'm proud of you, my beloved son and daughter. In you, I'm well pleased. Help those in this room that are just undergoing just such devastating, just conditions right now, traumatic experience, terrorizing experiences, tests tribulations, trials, temptations we don't know about. Help them to get open and honest and know you went through this too and they can get through it as well. That you're for them and you're with them. God, as we move into this day to enjoy this day, help us to fight temptation well this week and when it comes and it will to say no for a change and feel the joy of, of being victorious over temptation. And we pray all this in the conquering name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our champion. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for coming today.